everybody, welcome to the export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who I know you love football, big football fan. In less than two weeks, free agency is upon us, and with everything that's going on with players being released and stuff, how excited are you to really get the NFL offseason going? Oh, it's super exciting because now I feel like once the actual offseason kicks off, that's when you start to, as a fan, start to see the lay of the land. I'm like, okay, this team was able to sign this guy. That's a major move. This team was able to get this guy. That's a that's not a major move, but it's a move that could be significant for them because of the position I need. So I think it's, I'm ready for it. Because, um, yeah, I'm kind of tired of hearing all the talk about where where so-and-so is going to go, and I'm more so ready to see, like, oh, he's actually going to these things. I feel that. I mean, this is kind of that weird period where it's like you're hearing rumors, players are getting released, like – like you said, like you're hearing a lot of speculation, but nothing is going to be definitive until I think March 11th or 12th. I think that's when the new league year starts. And so once that actually happens, like we'll start to hear more about like free agents and trades and things like that. So I'm really, really excited for it. But also, as y'all know, I'm a major draft nerd. So like I'm enjoying combine weekend. But after this, it's going to be a bit of a low um, till pro days and then the draft in April. But uh, we got a cool show for you guys today. We are going to discuss some of the recently released NFL standouts around the NFL and kind of talk about some of the biggest surprises as well as the players we want our favorite teams to sign. Uh, Also, with regards to the NBA, we're going to talk the Warriors signing Steve Kerr to a two-year extension and whether or not Kyrie Irving is truly more clutch than Steph Curry. And then close things out with me and Embryo giving our Elimination Chamber recap. Before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes are our lovely podcast on our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So kicking this bad boy off with the College Football Players Spotlight. We are recording this on Friday, so day one of the Combine wrapped up yesterday where it was defensive linemen and linebackers. So it's always cool to highlight some of the top performances, the guys who stood out. So for you, Ethan, who is somebody who stood out during Thursday's workouts? Um, we just talked about it. D-Lineman from Florida State. You said Brandon Fish? Mm-hmm, Brandon Fish. Yeah, Brandon Fish, just to be a man that runs – for anything at 300 pounds is mad impressive. I also add Tavondre Sweat to be I didn't realize, I knew he was big. 366. 366. 366. Yeah, he big. And like, to run a 5, what did he run, like a 5'7"? 5'27". Yeah, like that's, that's impressive in and of itself. So I gotta go with those two guys. I feel that. Um, I had three guys really stick out. Um, Bray, Braden Fisk is one of them. Um, Dallas Turner, outside linebacker from Bama. I mean, they always push out those really athletic guys. And I think everybody kind of figured Dallas Turner was one of the top edge rushers in this class just based off the tape alone. But getting to see him work out and his athleticism really popping up. Jared Verse had a solid workout. So did Aleatu Latu. But I think that Dallas Turner of those top edge rushers won the day. Um, another guy I would definitely throw in there is uh, Peyton Wilson, linebacker out of NC State. I still believe that Edron Cooper is still the best 
off-ball linebacker of this class, but Peyton Wilson definitely had a standout workout. Had the fastest 40 of anybody. I think he ran a, what, a 4-4-4? Um, like I said, fastest of anybody. Looked really fluid throughout the workouts. And I know that he's had questions kind of dealing with injury concerns and stuff, but, I mean, when you come out in front of everybody, in front of the scouts and put on a performance like that, I think that's really going to turn some heads and – he could possibly wind up being the first uh, linebacker off the board come April. <clears throat> and for all my fellow draft nerds, I'm going to try. As soon as the uh, combine wraps up, maybe a day or two later, come out with my first mock draft. Because you know I love a good mock, so be on the lookout for that. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NFL. Uh, we kind of talked about it at the top. It's been a lot of players being released due to cap casualties. Um, and here are a few of some of the biggest names who are now on the market. Uh, Falcons released tight end Jonu Smith. He was their leader, one of their leading receivers in touch and receptions, receiving yards, and touchdown receptions. So a bit surprising about that. Vikings released running back Alexander Madison. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers released two-time Pro Bowler, uh, outside linebacker Shaquille Barrett. Uh, Marcus May, safety for the New Orleans Saints, is another guy who has been released. Um, and I'm trying to think of any other big names. Oh, also, the Miami Dolphins released defensive end Emmanuel Ogba as well as cornerback Xavier Howard. So quite a few competent and talented guys are now going to be hitting the market. Ethan, for you, of the guys who are going to be looking for new homes, which one was the biggest surprise? <clears throat> Honestly, I'm not that surprised by any of them. But for me, I think I'm going to go Xavier Howard simply because, granted, I know he didn't have the best season or even like a season from his standards of previous years. But you can never. You can never, in my opinion, in today's NFL, you can never overvalue cornerback play. Um, and especially when you're in a league that's so pass heavy, if you got a guy that could be a solid corner and be a guy that can take away the ball and get your team extra possessions, I think he's a guy that should always be valued um, on your team. That's fair. I, um,. I'm kind of like you. None of them were that big of a surprise. I think probably the one that might surprise me the most was Jonu Smith. I know that he has a really big contract, um, especially considering, like, he's technically the second tight end on the Falcons. But, I mean, like I said, he had a really, really good year last year. He had 582 receiving yards, three touchdowns. And, I mean, at times, he looked like the more – I'll say this. He was definitely targeted more – than not targeting more, but he was a bigger part of that offense, that Falcons offense at times than Kyle Pitts was. I can understand with Raheem Morris coming in and trying to implement a new offense and kind of highlight those star guys like the Drake Londons, the Kyle Pitts, the B. John Robinsons. I understand if you want to like save some money and also like reaffirm that Kyle Pitts is our guy. That makes a lot of sense to me. But it's also like I feel like John who kind of proved that he could really do some damage in an offense with Kyle Pitts. And I think that with the season he had, he's definitely going to have quite a few suitors um, come the new league year. So I know you said you're still kind of on the fence. You don't really have a favorite team, but there's one that you support a bit more than others. Other guys who were released, uh, who is the one that you want your squad to target? Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to so go Shaq Barrett. 
Um, Baltimore has some interesting conversations coming up. Jadavian Clowney had a great year, one of the best of his career. I'm sure he's going to want a lot of money, and I would don't expect Baltimore to want to pay him that, which I get. I would like Kyle Van Noy to come back, but who knows? Odafe always been solid, but still waiting for him to really turn a corner. Uh, David Ajabo's kind of struggled to stay healthy. So with all that being said, we could definitely stand to have veteran edge rushers, and Baltimore is one of those teams where we are going to bring in vets who are not exactly in their prime, but still got a little left, little juice left in the tank. Shaq Barrett really fits that bill uh, at 31, so that's who I would want. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to some other signings and around the NFL, starting with the uh, Detroit Lions signing special teams ace Jalen Reeves made into a two-year, seven and a half million dollar extension. And the franchise tra tag tracker kind of do this for the next few weeks. Um, the first official player to be tra tagged is Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins, which honestly is not much of a surprise. What may come as a surprise for some people is that no running back is expected to be tagged. That includes Raiders, Josh Jacobs, Giants, Saquon Barkley, Titans, Derrick Henry, Chargers, Austin Eckler, and Cowboys, Tony Pollard. Of those five guys mentioned, which back do you think is the best on this stacked running back market? Um, I, it's tough, but I think I'm going to go Saquon um, because he's still young enough to where he can he can make a big impact like Derrick Henry. I, I personally, out of the running backs that are available, I probably personally would go Derrick Henry. But I think just from the standpoint of, like, you can get a guy that can be a game changer, I might say Saquon because he can rush, he can catch. He's still young enough to where it's like you don't have to think about the run, the, the dreaded 30-year mark and um, – like, I know he's had some injuries, but, like, he's come back from injuries, and, like, if he can be healthy, I think he's the biggest, like, difference maker out of that group. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that while all the guys just mentioned are talented, I think that with the exception of Derrick Henry, I think that Saquon definitely has the highest ceiling. The reason I say it excluding Derrick Henry is because I think Derrick Henry's one of those guys, he has to be in the right system to be successful. And it's not necessarily a knock against him. It's just so many offenses have gone away from, like, his style of play. That smash mouth, wear you down throughout the course of a game. Like, I think that not many offenses are going to utilize that. Whereas a guy like Saquon, I think that his abilities can kind of work in any offense. And so I think that that will give him the edge. Also, of the five guys, I mean, technically, Derrick Henry ran for the most yards out of all of them. But it was like probably one of the more inconsistent Derrick Henry seasons. Like he'll have games where he rushes for over a hundred and then other games where he doesn't top 25. And so I think that, like I said, based off last year specifically, I think Saquon was probably the best of the bunch, even though none of them were like incredibly impressive, but I would go Saquon as of right now. 
Um, another player who has not yet officially been tagged but is expected to be is uh, Chiefs cornerback Legereus Sneed. Now, while he is expected to get the tag, that does not mean he's going to be playing for the Kansas City Chiefs come the week one. Uh, reportedly, the Chiefs are planning to use the tag on Sneed and the, look for a trade for him if the teams cannot get a long-term deal done. And so I think, honestly, with them having to pay um, – What's his name? Having to pay Chris Jones because I don't think there's any way they let him walk. I think that this is the perfect time to try to find a trade for Legereus Need, who looked like one of the best corners in football last year. So let's say you are a team on the outside looking in. You're an a you're a team trying to reach out to Legereus Need's agent. What team do you think should be going all in in an effort to bring him on their squad? I'm gonna say I'm going to say the Detroit Lions. Um I know that they need pass rush help, but I think if you can bring in LeJarius Need and he can be a good cover guy, you can potentially help your pass rush out. And you probably will be able to bring somebody in that might be able to help do like the draft. But I think um, when I look at the NFC as a whole, like in order to make it to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to go up against a gauntlet of wide receivers. And if you can bring in a guy that you can be comfortable with just being like, hey, go go clamp up, I think that can make a huge difference for the Lions. That's real. I'm going with another team that had secondary struggles, and I'm saying the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I know that they still have Darius Slay under contract, and I know they still have Brad Berry under contract, but we saw last year that secondary was a massive liability. And I think that bringing in a guy like Legereus Snead could kind of assume that number one position because, like I said, Darius Slay, he's still good, but he's aging. James Bradbury had a terrible second half to the season. You could possibly cut him, save some money, and then use a high draft pick to try to form up, fill in this secondary and really try to put together the best group that you can. But like you said, I mean, it is an absolute gauntlet of receivers in the NFC, and I think that you got to be able to cover them. And a couple seasons ago, the – uh, Eagles showed that they could do that and did so without too much headache. Whereas this season, it was a problem. And I think that you bring in a guy like Legereus New, who is used to really like riding the ship, who has seen the progression of a defense throughout the course of his time, and has really grown into being a true cornerback one. I think that he could really help that up. Um, and also, speaking of Philly, uh, just got the notification that Kevin Bayard has been cut by Philly, which is going to free up some cast space for them. Could, would you want Kevin Bayard rocking the black and gold? I think he would be an upgrade, so yes. Him and Mink in the same secondary would be would be kind of crazy. It would. And I think now at this point in his career, you can get him relatively cheap. Uh, so, yeah, I think that would be, be a good move. I'd agree with that. I don't think he's going to command, like, top safety money anymore. So, And if you, like, especially if you're in a team that's winning, like, I think that he would value that a lot. Um, but all right, let's go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery. Continuing on with the conversations of trades and sticking in the NFC East. 
Um, there have been some talks that Sam Howell could be traded. The Washington Commanders currently hold the second overall pick in the draft and are widely expected to use that on a quarterback, thus meaning Sam Howell could be made available. According to Ralph Vachanio, uh, multiple NFL sources believe that several teams would be interested in trading for Sam Howell. He also mentioned that Washington could potentially receive a third-round pick for him or maybe more. Barring a trade that... Uh, they can't refuse. It's hard to say whether or not he's going to be moved, but believable or buffoonery, the commander should trade how. I'm going to say buffoonery because I think that he showed flashes. Um, I'll say this. I don't think they should trade him before the, uh, the season starts because granny, you are going to potentially draft another quarterback and for all you know, you could use him as an insurance policy in case the, the QB gets hurt. At least you know you have a guy that could somewhat be a competent backup. And you can still potentially trade him um some point during the season and get a decent a decent couple picks for him. I'll say this. I think a three is far-fetched. I don't think anybody's giving you a three for Sam Howell. Like, especially because we're talking about Justin Fields potentially going for a two or a three. Sam Howell's cool, but he's not as valuable as Justin Fields. But I, I'm going, I'm going to say believable. I think they should do it. I'm kind of with you, though. It's just a matter of when. Like, it's pretty safe to say they're going to draft a quarterback. Okay, cool. And more than likely, we've seen in the NFL, like, quarterbacks are kind of thrown into the fire. It's very rare that quarterbacks have time to sit. And, I mean, is Sam Howell a guy that you want to be your bridge? I mean, he's just entering his third NFL season. He's still young. Who's to say he won't put up a crazy season? And then it's like, well, damn, what are we going to do now? Try to trade him, extend him? What are we going to do with Drake May or uh, Jaden Daniels, Kayla Williams, whoever we end up with? And so with all that being said, I think that they will end up trading him. I think it's, like I said, it's just a matter of trying to find a fit for him, finding somewhere, a team that will give him the, give them the best offer. Because there's plenty of teams that could use a young quarterback. Like, even if it's just in a backup role, like the Jets, for example, they could definitely use a backup. Because like uh, Woody Johnson, their owner, said, we didn't have a backup last year. They did not have a backup plan. And so I could see that potentially being a good landing spot for him. But I think, like you said, it's just a matter of when are you going to do it as opposed to, like, do it immediately. And then it's like, dang, what are we going to do? Because I think, what, Jacoby Brissett is still under contract. And then whoever you draft, I would try to have a contingency plan if possible. But, all right, let's go ahead and keep on the trade conversation. Uh, many people expected Devontae Adams to be moved during last season's trade deadline, and that was not the, cl- the case. During, while speaking to the media during the combine earlier this week, Tom Telesco, the general manager of the Las Vegas Raiders, was asked about Adams' availability and said, Devontae Adams is a Raider. Believable or buffoonery, Devontae Adams will be a Raider come week one of the 2024 season. Believable. I think the minute they the minute that they committed to Antonio Pierce, that's when I was like, yeah, he's not going anywhere. Because he was one of the guys that was in a locker room that was an advocate for Antonio Pierce. Antonio Pierce loves him. And it's also this. Like, the Raiders are in a situation to where they're looking for a quarterback, whether it be via, via the draft or via free agency. And if you're going to bring in a new guy, 
what's the what's a better thing than having one of the best wide receivers in the game already on your roster? Like it doesn't make sense to trade him. I agree. Um, I think it's believable as well. I know he's probably a guy who everybody's expecting. Man, the Raiders are not going to be competing for nothing. They might as well trade him. But I think that the Raiders, especially with Antonio Pierce being there, I don't know if you get the same sense, but like they feel like this is probably the most confident Raiders team I've seen in a while. And it's not exactly like they have all this talent or like they were just one game away from the playoffs or nothing. Like they obviously have a lot of work to do with this roster, but like under Antonio Pierce, they feel like they got a different swag about them. And I think that trading away Devontae Adams kind of takes away from that. Cause like you said, he was one of the guys banging the table for Antonio Pierce, him, Max Crosby, like the top guys on this team. And I know that everybody like would assume that Devontae Adams want immediate success or, you know, um, what's his name? Aaron Rodgers could be banging the table for the Jets to try to go after him. But I think that he can see what the Raiders are trying to build. And I think that he wants to be a part of that. And I think the Raiders, more importantly, want him to be a part of that. And so, like you said, like, no matter what quarterback you bring in, the best thing you can do for him is to give him help and to make sure he has one of the best wide receivers in his corner to throw the ball to. Because it's kind of like what uh, the Raiders and the Colts played um, this past season. I think Devontae Adams got targeted like 19 times, something like that. Like, Jacoby Myers is cool. Um, Trey Tucker is solid as well, but... Everybody knows Devontae Adams is the best player in this offense. What do you want to do? Feed him the ball because nine times out of ten, he's going to make magic happen when he gets it. So I'm with you. I don't think he goes anywhere. All right, continuing on the conversation of wide receivers, we got my favorite wide out in the game, an LSU alum, uh, Justin Jefferson, who was due for a major contract extension. While there were some talks about him possibly being traded, uh, the Vikings head coach, uh, Kevin O'Connell, and their general manager, Kwesi Adafo Mensa, shut that down expeditiously um, and said, nah, it ain't happening, which makes total sense. So if they're not going to trade him, they're going to have to pay him, and everybody knows is going to be a king's ransom. Uh, when discussing his upcoming contract, uh, Kwesi said, we think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL and should be compensated as such. There's also an expectation of Jeff, Jeff oh, I'm sorry, for Jefferson to become the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL. Now, for perspective, right now, the highest paid non-quarterback in the league is Nick Bosa, who has the 10th biggest contract in the NFL. Last offseason, he signed a five-year $170 million extension with the San Francisco 49ers. He's making an annual salary of 34 mil a season. And in terms of wide receivers, the highest paid wide out right now is Tyree Kill, who's making 30 mil a season. So, with all that being said, believable or buffoonery, Jay Jettas will become the highest paid non quarterback in the league. I'm going to say buffoonery. Um, I think he will be end up being the highest paid wide receiver. I don't think he'll be the highest paid non quarterback because that position, that place typically is going to pass versus now. I'm going to say believable because I get what you're saying about the value of a pass rusher, but I I think that Justin Jefferson has proved, especially this year, 
Like, even despite missing, what, eight games, even having multiple different quarterbacks throwing him the ball, 10 games, he still had over 1,000 yards. He's had over 1,000 yards every year he's played. He's the best receiver in football and at worst, maybe second best. Like, he's proven time and time again he's the guy. And the Vikings offense, like, I think that, one, if they're trying to bring in a veteran quarterback or if they're trying to entice Kirk Cousins, I'm not going to lie to you. If I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm not coming back if Jay Jett is not signed. Like, that's, like, not even a non-starter. And this offense has talent, but, I mean, Justin Jefferson is an entirely different breed, and I think the Vikings know that. I think they know that if they don't do it, somebody else gladly will make him the highest-paid player. And I think looking at the gap, what, Nick Bosa is making 34 mil a year, Tyreek Hill is making 30 I could see them offering them 35 because I think that in the today's NFL, like every year we see the market get reset at almost every single position. So I think that it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to think he would make more than 34 mil a year. I think the thing I've heard the most is like, it's the matter of the structure and the guarantees. But I think when it's all said and done, he's going to get that title. How long it lasts, who knows? Because, you know, players are always trying to one-up each other. Apparently, Jamar Chase is waiting to sign his extension until he hears what Jay Jettis gets. I love Jamar Chase. In my opinion, he shouldn't make his, he shouldn't make more than Jay Jettis. But it's just a – it's more so a case of just whenever the time it comes. But I could see it happening. But I, last thing before we move on to the NBA – we talked about timing. Well, it seems for the Buffalo Bills, they have their eyes on the prize. And speaking of a Super Bowl, it's just a matter of when it happens, not if. If you don't believe me, that's literally what their head coach, Sean McDermott, said earlier this week when asked about the team winning a Super Bowl. And he said, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. I hate when players and like teams make these bold claims but it's still interesting to talk about believable or buffoonery the buffalo bills will win a super bowl in the next five years i'm going to say buffoonery um because i think the chiefs they've re they've reinvented themselves and figured out a way to win besides putting up a, a bunch of points on offense i know it's a potential possibility that Andy Reid retires. And I'm sorry, when it, the team, in my opinion, after the Chiefs, it's not Buffalo for me. It's, it's Cincinnati. Yeah. I think, like, I think a healthy Cincinnati team is the team that's next up in the AFC behind the Chiefs. I know everybody wants to crown the Bills, and, like, they had a good season last year, but also Joe Burrow was hurt. And he was, when he was playing for a good stretch, he had a calf issue that kind of hindered him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. Not to mention, the Bengals beat the Bills this season, just so y'all know. It was, what, Sunday Night Football? But, um, yeah, I think it's buffoonery as well. Like like you said, you already got to worry about the Chiefs, who clearly have the Bills number. And then you got to worry about the Bengals. And then just looking at the AFC at large, like, Every team is going to get better in some facility. Like, Baltimore is still going to be in that conversation. I think I don't think it's going to happen immediately, but I think the Chargers are really going to turn some heads. I think they're going to be really good too. I mean, you still got to worry about Miami. I know they haven't had the playoff success or really much success against winning teams, but still they're going to be a threat as long as they can keep their core guys there and stay healthy. And so I think 
And then that's not even including the teams in the NFC that you have to worry about to win the Super Bowl. But with all that being said, I think it's buffoonery as well because I think that the Bills, like, I, I, maybe I'm crazy, but I think that obviously the quarterback is the face of the franchise for most teams. You ask this question for most teams, and the answer is going to be no. But if you take away Josh Allen, do you think that the Bills have a playoff team? No. I don't think so either. And I think that this past year, with just the injuries to, like, the star guys, the Matt Milanos, the Tredavious Whites, and then just kind of the weird descent of Stefan Diggs over the past season, like, I think that they have a lot more fundamental issues that people aren't talking about and their lack of depth. And so until they get that rectified, I have a hard time thinking that they can do it because the Chiefs showed, like, they didn't need Patrick Mahomes to go crazy to win because they had a stacked enough defense to do so. They had a really good run game to do so to help kind of carry that load. And I think that we've seen other teams kind of be able to do that where the Chiefs, I mean, where the Bills haven't. Obviously, they haven't been forced to with Josh Allen not being on the field, but I think this roster isn't as good as people make it out to be, which I think is going to be why they don't get that Super Bowl success um, that they're looking for. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. Uh, Starting things off with our Mamba Players of the Week. I'm going to give the edge in the Eastern Conference to DeMar DeRozan, help the Bulls pull out a big uh, double overtime win against a team. I do not remember, and I should have wrote it down. Uh, I think he dropped 35 that game, but I'm going DeMar. I'm going DeMar as well. Western Mamba of the week, I'm going the king of longevity, LeBron James. What, 19 in the fourth versus the Clippers? I mean, that's, that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, I got to go with good uh, and then uh, last but not least, Rookie Mamba of the Week. For me, this was an easy one. I'm going Wimby. Just had a really, really good game. What was that? Night before last, dropped 28 to help beat the Thunder. Got 5-5-5 five, five and five, um, against the Lakers. I mean, he's putting on a show. Yeah, sorry. All right, let's move on to our top three takeaways of the week. Um, my number three is it seems like the NBA left all their friendliness in Indianapolis after All-Star Weekend because low-key, it has been quite a few, like, skirmishes and people have a smoke. Like, for example, the uh, Pelicans and Heat um, when um, old dude for the Pelicans put his hand around Jimmy Butler's neck and leading to guys getting suspended. Devin Booker and Cam Whitmore last night. Like, it's been a lot of hostilities lately. I'm going to be honest. I do agree with you. I'm at the point now where I'm like, somebody just needs to go ahead and throw an actual punch. I agree. And I thought that when old dude put his hand on uh, Jimmy Butler's neck, that would have did it. And rightfully so. Yeah, because it's like, I I get it. You're, you're playing in a professional league. You don't, you want to maintain the image of the league. But I'm like, hey, bro. Like, somebody putting their hands around my neck, it's not going to just be a bunch of pushing and shoving. No. Like, I'm going to swing. Uh, but my number three takeaway is um, the NBA has to figure out, a, like, not even the NBA. The players need to get over this unwritten rule in basketball about scoring one year of B. I forgot about uh, that one. The Warriors and uh... – not even that. What I was gonna talk about was the uh, Timberwolves and the um, and the 
Nets where Dennis Schroeder pushed Mike Conley because Mike Conley shot the ball because he wasn't trying to get a turnover. Oh, yeah. And, like, bro, you're going to get arguably the nicest dude in the NBA. Right. For a rule that makes no sense. Like, play, like if you're upset about it, play defense. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's my number three. I feel that. And I feel like that with a lot of sports. Like, if you don't want them to score, stop it. Like, I understand, like, you know, like you said, like those unwritten rules and sportsmanship, but at the end of the day, the game ain't over yet. And so that doesn't mean just because you take your foot off the gas and you give up doesn't mean I have to give up. Yeah. Uh, Number two for me is uh, even though both teams suck, I'd rather be on the Pistons right now than the Wizards. And I say that because at least I feel like the Pistons kind of have a direction to go which is a weird thing to say about a team that's 9-49. and But the Wizards just made the trade for Jordan Poole. They were expecting him to kind of be the guy and take over, and that obviously has not been the case. And at least when you look at the Pistons, you can say they have young talent that can grow and develop. And I have more faith in Monty Williams getting it together, obviously not this year, but like down the line as opposed to whoever the Wizards hire because this roster has kind of been a dumpster fire since John Wall left. And so, yeah, like, in terms of direction, like I said, neither team is good, but right now I, I'd rather be a Piston than a Wizard. I'm sorry. If I'm Kyle Kuzma, you, you, you have to just – you must have made the decision because they said they were going to give you a lot of money at some point. Because, like, it's no – if, like, the whole premise of being a professional athlete is, is you want to win. There's no way that I would say, oh, I, I understand, like, on the Mavs, you might have a lot of possessions where you don't touch the ball. And I get Kyle Kuzma is a guy that kind of needs the ball in his hands. But, like, there's no way I'm going to sit back and be like, oh, I'm going to be on one of the worst teams when I have an opportunity to get traded to a team that could potentially, at minimum, make the playoffs. Yeah, like, the only thing that makes that makes sense is, like you said, like, he's probably, like, they talked about, like, a really big extension because he did just resign this offseason, which I was kind of surprised by. Or, like, he's enjoying being the best player on a team because since he's been in the NBA, that's never been the case. But it's like, y'all are 9-50. and 50. Is that worth it? Yeah. Like, not everybody's meant to be the guy. Uh, is that what's your number two? My number two takeaway is right when we started to write the Warriors off, they found a way to reinvent themselves and get some semblance of success. And honestly, they didn't even reinvent themselves. They went back to what they kind of made famous in during the peak years of their success, which is playing small ball, like. Bringing in, uh, bringing in Jonathan Kaminga into the starting lineup, moving Draymond to the five, bringing Clay off the bench. Like, I don't know how much of an impact all of those moves are going to make, but at least for the short term, it's made the Warriors relevant again. Word. And, I mean, Loki, this is the time of year when they actually start getting hot. Like, they'll always, like – Going into the All-Star break, they'll kind of be middling. Like, who knows what they're really going to be. Fast forward 
once it's getting closer and closer to the playoffs, they really find a way to turn it on. Um, and my number one is while this, there really shouldn't have been any confusion anyway, but I mean, I get it. The Clippers have been better this season than the Lakers. And like, honestly, over the past decade, the Clippers have been better, but Wednesday was a reminder that Staples Center slash Crypto.com Arena, it's always going to be Slaper Center to me, but that is all has always been the Lakers' house and the Clippers were just house guests. Like, I understand, like, they share an arena. I get that, but like Kobe said, the Lakers hang banners. The Clippers have not. And so, like, I know this is going to be the last game before the Clippers move to their new Inglewood uh, arena, which happy for them. Like, I like – we talk about their new uniforms again. I think they're cool. Low-key, I think they really should, like, go all in for a new rebrand. But I do think that this game was just a reminder of, like, yo, like, the Clippers have had success in the regular season, but at the end of the day, they just cannot finish, which literally was the story of Wednesday, Wednesday's game against the Lakers. And just felt for anybody with any confusion – yeah, the Clippers are not on the Lakers level as a franchise, and I'm sure they are happier than anybody that they are moving out of that arena. Yeah, I was gonna say my number one is I don't I don't care what anyone says. I understand that the Lakers are not where a lot of people deem them to be, but like. That last game just showed the staying power of the greatness that is LeBron James. Word. This man outscored the Clippers at 39 years old by himself. Like, I'm sorry, as a as a player going against that, I would be so upset. Like, I understand LeBron is like a freak of nature, but like He's almost 40, and he gave y'all the business. Yeah, that definitely was almost my number one takeaway of, like, I don't think LeBron is the GOAT. I understand people's arguments, but, like, one thing I will never argue is, like, no player has had more longevity than LeBron. And that game was, like, a true testament of it. But it's also kind of the frustration of being a Lakers fan because you get that big win over the Clippers and then you go to overtime with the Wizards. It's embarrassing. But, yeah, I do feel you on that. But, all right, moving on to some roster moves. Uh, The Atlanta Hawks have waived veteran guard Patty Mills. And the Golden State Warriors have signed Steve Kerr to a two-year, $35 million extension, making him the highest-paid coach in the NBA. A, um, making a salary of 17 and a half mil. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm kind of surprised that they did it because I don't anticipate Steve Kerr coaching much longer. I really think it's going to be one of those things where, like, once Steph retires, Steve Kerr is retiring too. He's not coaching nobody else. I can see that, but uh, it depends. Cause I, still, I think still Steve does have about good, probably two to three more years in him, so it makes sense. Yeah, because the contract's through 2025 and 2026, so we shall see. Like, I'll say this. I can't imagine anybody else right now coaching the uh, the Warriors, but it's just – it'll be interesting to see, like I said, once the pivotal, like the guys who kind of built the dynasty are gone, like I wonder what Steve Kerr does because if anybody needs a reminder of how good a coach Steve Kerr is, just go back to that season when Steph got hurt and they had a lottery pick. 
But I uh, got some injury news, unfortunately, starting out of Chicago. Forward Patrick Williams is out for the remainder of the season after undergoing uh, foot surgery. And Trey Young is expected to be out for at least the next four weeks after having surgery on his fifth finger on his left hand um, to repair a ligament tear. I, this kind of made me think about when DeMarcus Cousins kind of talked about Trey Young and talked about him needing to get out of Atlanta. I don't think the Fal- I mean not Falcons. I don't think the Hawks make the playoffs. So, do you think this is a chance that we could be seeing the last days of Trey Young in Atlanta as a Hawk? Yeah, I think come this offseason, Trey Young will not be in Atlanta the following season. I could believe it. I could definitely believe it. I could see this being a not a total rebuild, but I could definitely see pieces moving um, off that squad. But all right, let's play a game of believable or buffoonery. Kind of talking about potential moves. It came out earlier this week that there was almost a huge move. Now, everybody talks about LeBron taking his talents to South Beach. There was another young star who almost did the same thing um, during the 2011 offseason, and that was Chris Paul. However, in an interview with Dwayne Wade, uh, it came out that that trade ended up not happening because uh, Dwayne Wade refused to give up his number three jersey, saying, mess the whole trade up because CP wouldn't, couldn't wear number three in Miami. Believable or buffoonery, CP3 not going to Miami is one of the biggest NBA mistakes of all time. Believable. Um, like, because at that point, CP was at his peak of powers. Browns are his peak of powers. Because even if D-Wade, because, like, towards the latter run of that heat run, like, D-Wade was starting to decline a bit. So that's when you kind of saw some of the kinks in the armor. Like, if you would have had CP, they probably they probably would have still been a factor. So I'm going to have to say yes. Yeah, I'm going to say believable as well. Because, like, Chris Bosh is solid, but you could have found somebody to play fill Chris Bosch's role and oh that would have been nasty I mean I told you and you called me petty and I can live with it if the Lakers weren't getting Chris Paul nobody else should have got him either so I'm not mad that it didn't happen but yeah I think this was a mistake especially because it's like Chris Paul since then like I'm sure he thought he was going to have opportunity to win a ring and like you know get that and it didn't whereas Miami won two without him and so I'm sure he was looking like dang that could have been me um, moving on to another guy who does not have a ring, but definitely has a legacy, and that is DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, in a recent interview, he mentioned that it was he was ready to move on and see what's in store for him beyond the NBA, saying, I know I've had my time there, you know, there was a point where I was trying to make that happen, but the place I'm in my life now, just with everything I've got going on, just outside of basketball, like I'm in a good place. So like I said, I'm excited for what I have ahead of me, ahead of me and my future. You know, my 12 years in the league were a small chapter of, of or chapters in my life, and I'm ready to move on to see what's next and see what's in store for me. During Boogie's 12-year career, he averaged 19.6 points per game, 10 points two rebounds, three assists, 1.3 steals, 1.1 blocks, was a four-time All-Star and a two-time All-NBA selection. So, is it believable or buffoonery that DeMarcus Cousins should be a Hall of Famer? No. Uh, yeah, buffoonery. I'm a, like, I'm a big DeMarcus Cousins fan, as you know. Um, 
his team, college team with him and John Wall was one of my favorite. And Kentucky was one of my favorite teams to watch, even though John Calipari did my city dirty. I sure was gonna say, how did how did that work? I like Demarcus Cousins. I couldn't I couldn't not like I didn't root root for them, but I was a big I was a big Demarcus Cousins guy. So I was like, I'm gonna watch that game to watch him. Sacramento, like I thought he was one of the best, one of the best players, especially at the center position during his tenure. And I think a lot of people don't credit him for how, like he he's impacted the game of big men today. Because like a lot of people love to talk about, you know, Nikola Jokic, um, Cat, and Joel Embiid. But if you look back. Marcus Cousins was like one of the first guys when you saw a center get the rebound and bring the ball up court and distribute and shoot threes before these guys kind of came into prominence. I but I still don't think he'll be a Hall of Famer. And a lot of it is I some of it is on court production, but I think a lot of it is just the way that he's perceived and his just like um his um difficulties with the media. Yeah, that's fair. I think that, and also he was a bit volatile. And so, like, you talk about guys who be ready to swing. He was one of those guys. Like, I remember when him and Kevin Durant got into it and KD did not want it. He did not want it at all. And so, I feel you. Like, I'm a, I am love Boogie. He was one of my favorite guys to watch. But I think, like you said, I don't think he's going to end up making it because while he was really, really good, I mean, the Kings weren't and, like, I don't. Did he make the playoffs when he was with the Kings at all? Do you remember? He came close. Mm-hmm. Like it was the year when it was when it was um Rajon Rondo, him and Rudy Gay. Like that team came close, but they didn't make. It. Yeah, and so like, and I know he had those that short time with the Pelicans with him and AD, and then Rondo came like we're doing some damage. But I think while he was really good, I don't think he has the wins to help back up the case. But, I mean, he's still one of my favorite, like, big men to watch. But I don't think he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. All right, moving on. Let's talk some current players, more specifically in the Eastern Conference. As of right now, the Celtics are leading the way, sitting at 46-12. and 12. However, there is another team uh, within reach that could potentially knock them off the pedestal. Uh, Stephen A. Smith on first take talked about the biggest threat to the Celtics right now. And he cited that threat as the New York Knicks with a healthy Julius Randle saying, if Julius Randle comes back healthy, the New York Nets are going to the conference finals. Is that believable or buffoonery? I'm going to say buffoonery because I think a healthy Philadelphia team with Joel Embiid is a bigger threat than the Knicks. And don't get me wrong, I think the Knicks, like the additions that they made with Jalen Brunson starting to develop and become like the star that they've always looked for, I think their team is great. But I think like Philly has a lot of interesting pieces and you throw in Joel and be healthy and like honestly you, now you don't have Doc Rivers. Like, you have Nick Nurse, a guy who's won a championship as well, 
but something that Nick Nurse is known for doing that Doc Rivers isn't is making adjustments in game. And I think that could be a bigger threat to the Celtics. Like I said, I think this was last week, week before, I don't trust Philly. Um, they got to prove me wrong until then. But I do agree with you in the sense I think they're a bigger threat than the Knicks are to the Celtics at this point. I think also the Bucks could give them a tough out as well. I mean, right now the Bucks are still kind of going through things and trying to really figure out what their identity is, something that they really haven't figured out all season. And it's only gotten worse since Doc Rivers came in. Um, but I think that if they're able to get on one accord, I think that that's going to be a tough matchup for Boston as well. Um but I would say those are probably two teams, like the Phillies and the Milwaukee's before the Knicks. But I do think the Knicks could give them some trouble if Julius Randle is healthy. I'm um, kind of talking more about the Celtics, though. Jason Tatum, last week he uh, made his claim to being the face of the NBA once the LeBrons, the KDs, the Steph Currys retires. And also he's putting his name in the hat for potential MVP. Um, recently in a in review with uh, Jared Weiss of The Athletic, he said, I don't have the points per game that the other three or four guys will, but I think the voters are smart enough to understand the dynamic of our team. Essentially having to do less scoring, maybe on certain nights, but still the impact, it still impact the game in a lot of ways to kind of ensure that we win every single night. So, believable or buffoonery, Jason Tatum has a legitimate case for this season's MVP. Um, and it's not even a knock to his talent, but it's like this Celtics team is so well put together and so balanced. Like, I don't want to say it almost comes as it's like easy for them to win games, but they don't necessarily have to do the amount of work as other teams. And for him, he doesn't have to do nearly the amount of work as other players. Like, I think about. Like, take, for instance, Nicole Jokic. Like, he is, like, yes, you have Jamal Murray, but he is the entire Nuggets offense when he's on the court. Like, you see the difference in the um, plus, minus, and things of that nature when he's off the court. I think about Shea Gilders, Alexander. Like, when he when he's on the court for that team, they're a different team. Yeah. I think, and it kind of goes to what you said um, in the football stance of, if you take Jason Tatum off this team, can they make the playoffs? A hundred percent, they can. Yeah, I'll I'll say believable. I mean, buffoonery as well, because like you said, I mean, this team has enough talent to where, like, they could survive without him. And this is again, it's no knock on him, but it's like it's just the way that they're constructed. Other teams aren't constructed as well. Like, even you mentioned Nikola Jokic and Shea. You take Anthony Edwards off of the Timberwolves, they might sneak in as a play-in team, but they're not going to sit here at 42-17. and 17. They're not going to be the number one seed in the West. And I think that, yes, Jason Tatum is the best of the bunch, but I think it's kind of a knock for him and other players kind of in this situation. Like, when you have so much other talent around you, it makes what you do feel less special. And when you're voting on MVP, like, that's what's going to hurt you. You know what I'm saying? So I think that I'm going to say buffoonery as well, but, again, like, it's not a knock on Jason Tatum himself. Like, he's having a really good season, and he's very talented. But MVP, they try to give it to guys who, like, are head and shoulders the best players on their team. And I don't think that is exactly the case right now for him. 
Um, but all right, let's go ahead and move on to the last question uh, for Believable Buffoonery. And it is a question of who is more lethal in the clutch between Kyrie Irving and and Steph Curry. Uh, Andre Iguodala, who was a former teammate of Steph Curry during those uh, Warriors days, sided with Irving in the argument, saying, Kyrie Irving, it's not even close. For the last second shot, I'm going with Kyrie. Because, I mean, with Steph, I think he's shown at least proven to teams that you can double him, and if you could just get the ball off his hands, then I guess that's the way to combat him. So, in the clutch, who's more lethal? Kyrie or Steph? I'm going Kyrie. Without without a doubt. Like, no offense to Steph, but, like, Kyrie is a guy that, like, they both can do this, but Kyrie is a guy you put the ball in his hands and he'll get a shot. He'll get a bucket. Yeah. Steph, you can't. He can do that, but a big part of Steph's offensive game, from a one-on-one standpoint, is you have to force the switch. And in order to do that, you have to run a pick and roll. You can trap him, like Andre Iguodala said. With Kyrie, you don't have to switch. You can just—I mean, you don't have to force the switch. You can clear it out. Be like, hey, go one on one. Go give me a bucket. And he's shown that he can do that. I mean, he's hit—he hit arguably one of the clutchest shots in the history of the finals on Steph. Yeah. So. I got to go with Kyrie. Yeah, and also another thing about Kyrie, like, even one-on-one, like, that doesn't mean you have him locked up. Like, he's one of the best shot creators in the NBA. Like, everybody talks about his handles, his ability to get open, his ability to throw defenders off their game, which, I mean, has helped him in those situations when he has to be clutch. So, yeah, for me, this is easy. Kyrie for sure. All right, before we move on to our uh, Elimination Chamber recap, let's make some nightly game predictions. Starting off with the Sixers versus Hornets. I got Sixers. Sixers. Uh, Cavaliers versus Pistons. I got Cavs. Cavs. Mavericks versus Celtics. I'm going Celtics, but I think it's going to be close. Yeah, Celtics. Warriors versus Raptors. I got Warriors. Trailblazers versus Grizzlies. I'm going Grizzlies. Grizz. Uh, Pacers versus Pelicans. I'm going to go Pacers, but I'm not confident in it. Pelicans. Uh, Kings versus Timberwolves. I'm going Timberwolves. I'm going to go Kings. Milwaukee Bucks uh, versus the Chicago Bulls. I'm going Bucks. Bucks. And last and probably least, Washington Wizards versus the Los Angeles Clippers. I got Clippers. Yeah, for sure. All right, now let's go ahead and move on to Elimination Chamber. All right, now joining me to talk Elimination Chamber, as always, is my Embry bro, my Embryo, my Embryo. How you doing today, Embryo? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm minus being a little bit sick. I'm doing okay. Doing okay. You ready? Keep those sickness over there now. Keep it over there. I, I don't have a choice but to, unless you, like, want to teleport to Indianapolis right now. Nah, that sounds like too much work to teleport. Well, then I guess you're not going to get my ick, so congratulations. Yay! But what you will get are my thoughts on Elimination Chamber, so let's go ahead and get 
this started. So to open the night was the women's elimination chamber match, and Becky Lynch officially punches her ticket to WrestleMania. Judgment Day retire shit retains the undisputed tag titles after a banger with the New Catch Republic. I didn't know they had a name. My bad. I'm sorry if y'all listen to the prediction. I, I know that now, but like during the predictions, we I definitely called them British Strong Style. My bad. I'm sorry. Don't beat me up. Um, Cody Rhodes challenges The Rock and Seth Rollins offers to serve as his backup. Um, Drew McIntyre earns a rematch against Seth Rollins at WrestleMania for the World Heavyweight Championship following an unlikely assist from Logan Paul. And last but certainly not least, Rhea Ripley puts on for her home country and retains her women's championship. We all went 4-0, but Raven won the tiebreaker because I said that Drew and LA Knight were going to open the men's elimination chamber, and they did. Mm, I don't remember you saying that, but I, okay, I allow it. Go look at the receipts. I, 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 remember, I remember what I said. I remember I said Drew and Bobby. I remember what mm-hmm. I said. You said I didn't Drew. Remember you saying, I, didn't remember you, I remember you saying Drew. I didn't remember you saying LA. But you probably did. You probably did. I'm not calling you a liar. I'm just saying I don't remember. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. A lot of things you don't seem to remember. And, yeah, Ethan said uh, L.A. Knight and Kevin Owens. And then for the women's one, we all got half right. I said Bianca and Naomi. You said Bianca and Becky. And I think Ethan said Bianca and Becky, too. Okay. So, like, you had, like, because for those of you who don't remember, for each person we said it was, like, half a bonus point. I ended up with one and a half. And then you and Ethan both had one bonus point. So, that's how it worked out. Well, I want to say congratulations. That was a tough little fight, but you won it. Congratulations. Like I knew I would. Um, all right. Oh, Lord. <laughs> nah, you was real happy-go-lucky when you won Royal Rumble, so. I mean, I was close to winning this, too, but you know what? You know what? Second place is just, it was last first. So, you know what? You know what? It's fine. You won it. Uh, congratulations. I lost. Eh, it's okay. It's all right. There's still, what, nine more shows? Yep. Mm-hmm. But all right, let's start off on a positive note. What was your favorite match of the card? New Catch Republic. Uh, nah, um, I'm gonna. Cho- <laughs> I'm actually gonna. I am gonna choose the uh, tag match only because I didn't expect it to be that good. Honestly, um, I knew it was gonna be good. I just didn't expect it to be on that level. Um, even though I had um, Judgment Day winning, it was the hit two times. I thought, hey, are they about to lose this? You know, so. Yeah. Um, just a, in just a great match. Um, Harden, you know, um, definitely like I say, had little moments where you thought, "Hey, are they about to lose?" And I actually liked the ending as well. Um, the choke slam was it like a little choke slam off the top rope for both of them? Mm-hmm. Then uh, you know the coup de gras. It was really good. Um, it just shows you know Judgment Day working together still. Uh, I did like the beginning when they was like our truth went to a whole nother area. I forget where they said <laughs> he, he went, went to Austria. To. Yeah, he went to Austria, so I thought that was funny. Um, just a, a really great, enjoyable match. And I'm only choosing that because I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to be that good. Um, so I'm going to choose them for the, the match of the night for me. Honestly, that match was great. I'm with you. Like, I know everybody in the ring is talented, but, like, I wasn't expecting that much of a banger. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... I'm, honestly, I think every match was really, really good, but that was a great agreed, one. Agreed. Um, I'm gonna say Rhea versus Nia. I think that since Rhea's become champion, this was her best title defense for mm-hmm. quite a few reasons. Um, 
like, do I think it's the best match of the of the night? No. But, like, the emotions of it were so cool. Because, like, you know, Rhea Ripley is this badass, and Mommy's always on top, and she never really shows that emotion. And just seeing, like, how excited and how happy she was to be back in Australia was great. And then, like, to give Nia credit, she did a really, really good job. And, like, I like how she really played into, like, being that heel and, like, looking at Rhea's family. And it was like, is that your mommy? Say hi to your mom. Like, shit like that was just really cool to me because we really, we've seen Nia be a heel, but this was, like, the most heel we've seen her. And I just yeah. think that also you just add into the element, like, this was the first time that Rhea looked human because she's just pretty much been dominating everybody. And so her and Nia really did they understood the assignment, as the kids would say. And so, yeah, it was definitely... It was my favorite match of the night. Like I said, not the best, but, like, the emotions of it really, really got me. Yeah, it was really good. This is the best... Best... Re- character-wise, best real that we didn't see. Now, of course, not the matches haven't matched up, and this was a, a good, good match. Um, you could even say great match, but uh, it was a good match to me. Um, and this has been, like, the best Nia. Like I said, since she didn't came back, like I really enjoyed this Naya. The build was uh, was good too. She was a like you know just this dominant person taking out everybody, and to have mommy take her out is pretty good. Um, it builds Rhea's character as well, hands down. And I think it builds Naya too because like yeah, Naya lost, but like she looked really really strong. Like it took yeah. everything out of Rhea to be able to put her down. Agree. Yeah, so bangers on bangers and bangers. All right, let's move on to another positive. What was your favorite moment of the night? Favorite moments. Um, you know, I'm gonna pick Drew Winning only because just the great character work he's put in to get to this point. Um the great uh the writing for him as well has been amazing and just happy to see him main event in the WrestleMania again with being in one of the main events, because they call it a main event. Um because, like, I didn't spoke plenty of times. He was the champion through COVID. And he really hasn't just won a big match since. You know, after he lost the belt and the fans came back, he hasn't really won a big match in front of people since. Um, and just knowing he has this opportunity, which I I would have him winning that many, but we don't know. But just seeing him finally make it with the character work, I was – and how he was winning some of these with the pins, people cheating – and him just not caring anymore. Like, who cares about, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm trying to look for, for, uh, like, being, I'm, I can't think of a word, but uh, just him winning was pretty big for me. I, that was my favorite moment. Word. I would say, I have two, and one is okay. from that match, and the other is, like, it just goes more into real, like, just her getting her main event entrance. Like, when I saw that, too, yeah. that the, uh, limit, the man's elimination was going third, I was like, oh, shit, Rhea's getting the main event. Like, that was cool. And, like, her entrance was, like, it was pretty perfect. And, like, the Australia flag on her vest and, like, you know, just everybody standing up and just so excited to see her and her with her family. Like, like I said, like, it, it's it's easy to, like, remember, forget that wrestlers are, like, people and they're not just their gimmicks. And yeah. getting to see Rhea, who, like I said, the gimmick is, like, her being this badass who, like, I'm just here, like, this is my brutality. Like, I'm here to mess up your night and probably the rest of your life too. <laughs> Instead of like just seeing her like be genuinely happy and embraced by her home country was dope. But enough of that sentimental stuff. My other favorite moment was when Bobby speared Logan Paul through the pot. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know that hurt. 
I knew My it hurt when they showed Bobby and like, cause you know they try to mute it when it's cussing. Bobby was going off. You know Bobby was hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, oh. I, I definitely heard it. Uh, yeah, I knew my boy was gonna get eliminated first. He was dominating too much. <laughs> he was for like a little quick second. He was dominating too much. Then when he got Claymore outside the ring, then got rolled back in. Which it was they made him strong with the elimination. Yeah. I give them that. He definitely looked strong the little time he was in there. Then he got L.A. Knight and hurt his arm. I was like, oh, he's leaning down too low. He's about to get Claymore again. They got two Claymores <laughs> and then got eliminated. I was like, well. If you want to be getting the first one to be eliminated, that's a good way to go out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was, we going to get to that in a second. But yes, no, it was great. Um, I think everybody. I already, know, I already know where you're going with this. I can't wait to say something about it too. Mm, it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, But yeah, that was great. Also props to Logan Paul for like drawing on the pot. That was yes. brilliant. Yes. That Logan, technically it wasn't a moment, but noticing that and then like Kevin Owens in it and getting pissed off, that was great. No, the fact that he did all that, that Kevin Owens got in there and started hitting him up. That was like, beating so the crap out of him in the pod. I'm like, this is the, like the most Kevin Owens thing ever. Like, and like, it's funny because you like, you know, he deserves it. <laughs> and also, props to Kevin Owens for having an amazing show. And he did the damn thing. We love K over here. Yes, everybody did. Like, just speaking for everybody, you know, even though you didn't, I mean, everybody did their job. Now, it's funny how you never brought up the uh, pre-show, but that's fine. What, that was a pre-show match? Yes. The Kabuki Warriors had a tag match. I never watched the pre-show. Well, the funny part is, I just happened to click in and saw it. Oh. <laughs> I just happened to click in, and because, um, you know, I watched it later, and I was skipping through, and I didn't know, like, I didn't want to skip too far, you know what I mean? So as I skipped, the Kabuki Warriors came out, they fought Candice LeRae and... Um, Andy Hartwell. Oh, Andy Hartwell. Which, that was nice. Everybody cheered for Indy. That was nice. from Australia. That's cool. Yeah, so it was cool. You know, of course they lost, but it wasn't like no banger. It just did its job. You know what I mean? It was just a quick show. I mean, a quick match to get it on, to get everybody everybody warmed up for the show. So, that's what happened. Yeah, it was out of nowhere. (laughs) I always skip the kickoff. And so, I I remember, seemed like when I clicked on Peacock, I was like, this mug four hours, no shot. And then I saw like a couple, I skipped ahead a little bit and they said kickoff. I was like, oh, okay, I can skip an hour. Cause they don't really do pre-show matches no more. They, yeah, they don't, they don't. So, so that's WWE fault. Yeah, and I, I think they probably only did it for Indy probably. Oh, for just sure. Just to give her yeah. a little moment. Yeah. Like I say, it was nice. Everybody cheered. Everybody was like, Indy, Indy, you know, she got in, did her little thing. You know, like I said, they lost, but like I said, it wasn't, nobody expected them to win, but, uh, it was it was a de- it was just a decent match on the you know the uh you know the show that's brutal kickoff. Well, yes, I apologize to those four amazing women. I'll have to go back and watch because I exactly know wow, that Chris bringing up the women. I know wow. what a, what a first. You know, talk bad about me, but when you didn't bring them up, who brought them up? Who mm. showed up and made sure they got the recognition they deserved? Mm. Chris did. That. You did. You did. Congratulations. You are slowly becoming a feminist. Um. All right. So. <laughs> Okay. Oh my gosh. Next up, <laughs> who do you feel like increased their stock? I feel like there's quite a few people. Like, I had like a definitive person. I want to say somebody, but you about to get on my head. I forgot her name. Tiffany Stratton, is that her? Yes, Tiffany Stratton. I think she up, she she upgraded her stock. Did you say upgrade and decrease or just upgrade? Increase. We'll just so we'll start increase, on the positive yeah. increase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tiffany Stratton. Um, she was in the match a long time. She had some great spots. Um, 
and she needed it. You know, she was the newest, uh, the newest uh, star in the, the match. So I want to say she definitely upgraded. Why you say upgrade? Increased her stock. Um, just a great showing. You know, nobody expected her to win, but she was in there. She outlasted some veterans, and uh, she last day she wasn't just around there not doing nothing. She was actually doing some good spots. I can't remember was she the one that did the backers flip off the pod. I want to say she did. Yes, she did. Um, and almost messed up her neck. <laughs> yeah, so you know, um, just a lot of good spots. So I think she definitely increased her stock. I agree. Just to show everybody, uh, was it just the uh, was it supposed to do like just anybody? It was just one person. Just one person is fine. Just okay. I just choose her. Then I choose her. Yeah, I agree. One. I think she did amazing. Like. I'd seen a little bit of Tiffany Stratton beforehand. Honestly, like I saw very little of her in NXT because if it's not like a takeover, I haven't been watching it. But yeah. I knew I was gonna love her when she slapped the shit out of. Um, oh my gosh, I'm so mad. Uh, Kim. Uh, uh, uh me and him or me Chin. That was the funniest thing ever. Cause I. I don't know if y'all are Mia Yim fans or Mi Chen fans, whatever, but back in the NXT days, I remember she had a street fight with Candice LeRae and she rolled up in that match with some Tims on. That's when I knew I liked her and she should have bust out the Tims because you were not going to slap me like that and run. I'm kicking your ass. And But Tiffany Stratton showed out. Like I know people really enjoyed her in NXT, the whole Tiffy time thing. And like this elimination chamber like was evidence as to why people like her because she did the thing like nobody expected her to win but she did so good and like she she was to me she probably like of individual wrestlers she was probably the highlight of the night for me just because like everything she did was entertaining Uh, i'm sorry can i add one more person absolutely and i say this like in a negative but in a good way increase their stock logan paul is being like hated even more oh the cringe he was great what he did to Randy, like for Randy being hurt holding his back all night, getting the RKO on um, you know, on uh Drew to get the win. Logan, yeah. And Logan just comes and ruins it for him. Like, you know, people love Randy right now. Well, people always love Randy, but right seeing him back from injury, back, being gone for over a year, coming back and then having this moment where he could possibly win. In main event WrestleMania, not main event, of course, being in one of the main events against Seth, uh, Seth Rollins and having him ruin it. Like, Logan Paul has already been hated. I think everybody, like, likes his wrestling. Like, you can't beat that. Like, he knows how to wrestle. But yeah. his character, like, people don't like him for personal reasons and people just don't like him. And I think he increased his heel stock for what he did to Randy Orton. And I'm pretty, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens next. I am too, because I was not expecting that at I all. I wasn't either. But see, look at wrestling. Like maybe the end results were a bit predictable, but the matches themselves, chef's kiss. Um, yeah. yeah, Logan Paul. Logan Paul was great. He was another highlight for me. All right, who do you think decreased their stock? See, with that, I, I don't have anybody that really increased. And like, I think, it, like at first, well, no, I, I just don't have anybody. I know not reading your mind. I don't know if you're going to say it, but like, I know some people probably think, Oh, Naomi, she shouldn't got eliminated. But what she did at the beginning showing that she was like equals with Becky. I think that also kind of built her as a little bit because when her and Becky was going one-on-one, they couldn't get the best of each other. And I think that showed how good Naomi was. Now I didn't expect her to get eliminated first. Um, and I think that sucked, but at the same time, like she showed what she can do, like just that standoff against 
uh, Becky's show, like, okay, Naomi's the real deal, which we knew she was, but, you know, so I don't think she lost stock because of that. And I I really don't have anybody, like, like the new, what is the new Republic? New Catch Republic. Uh, new Catch Republic, I think they built their stock up with that good match. Um, the women's was a great elimination match. I don't think anybody got ruined there. I don't think the men's got ruined either. Because like I said, Bobby got knocked out first, but I mean, Bobby was dominating, sparing people through pods, and got Claymore twice. And I don't think you lose stock because of that. So, no. um, I don't, and we both said Nia did great. So, I don't know. I, I don't have anybody decreasing. I don't have anybody either, like, specifically decreasing. If anything, more so Randy Orton's back. Because okay. he, considering he just came back from, like, back surgery and was out. And I know wrestlers are supposed to sell and kayfabe. Everything he did right after he was holding his back, you knew he was in pain and you could tell he was in pain. And and like, obviously I don't mean this seriously. Like, Oh yeah. Randy Orton's back makes him suck. Absolutely not. That's what I'm saying. But like you have a 40 plus year old wrestler who just came back from back surgery. Yeah. Like this is not what you want to see. Cause I know that man, honestly, I think everybody was in pain from that match. That match was one of the more physical matches I've seen in a while. It looked like everybody got hurt in some capacity. (laughs) But Randy, his back really went through it. But, like, everybody, nobody left that match unscathed. Everybody had bumps and bruises and welts and stuff. And they just did it for our entertainment. And for that, I must thank them. But, uh, all right, what is your one booking decision you would have done differently? Oh, booking decision on a show that I really enjoy. Um, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say I would have did it differently before, but now I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Randy, Kevin Owens, and Logan Paul. But this whole time, I always thought maybe L.A. Knight would be taking on Logan Paul for the United States Championship at Mania, but it doesn't like that's where they're going. It's going to be him versus AJ, which I don't mind. Yeah, I'm not mad at But I'm going to say beforehand, before I saw what that. Uh, what happened, which i rather go that direction because I'm interested to see what happens. I would have had L.A. Knight eliminate Logan Paul so he would they would have been a way to build up to their match at Mania. Him saying, hey, I already pinned you once and I'm going to do it again at Mania, you know, something like that. So that's what I would have did beforehand, but I do like the route we're going now. I think we both kind of said we thought that was what was going to happen with uh, Logan Paul and uh, what's his name? LA night, but I'm not mad at it. Like I said, I'm very interested because honestly, I think Randy versus Logan Paul is going to be the better match. So, well, I don't think it's going to be one on one. I think you still keep Kevin Owens in there to maybe be a triple threat. So I'm good. I'm even better with that. But then it's like, what do you do? I just think so. I I don't because I feel like it's not solved yet. Kevin Owens and Logan Paul. But yeah, oh, I don't think so either. Kevin Owens didn't. Didn't Randy eliminate Kevin? Yes, he RKO'd him after like Randy went on a tear. I mean, I Randy Kevin. I know during the um, press conference, like the the pre-press conference, whatever you want to call it, um, Logan and Kevin Owens got into it and Randy helped break it up. So I guess they kind of foreshadowed that a little bit. So, you know, maybe I would would think it's going towards a triple threat, and I would want that. You have Logan Paul, which is very – he's really talented. I don't care what people say. 
Kevin Owens, what you already know his resume, what he can do. And then you have Randy that's also super talented. And just in case, you know, he is feeling a little couple injuries. You have Kevin Owens and Logan that could be in there to take those bumps and still put on a banger for him. You know, we all saw what Kevin Owens did with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So um, I hope it leads to a triple threat. So, that's what I'm hoping. So what I'm hearing is I need to start watching the pre-shows. Well, I saw that online. Oh, okay. I saw that they uh I like saw the clip. I don't fully know exactly what happened. Like I got you know how they be having like the little shorts on social mm-hmm. media. Uh, I just know Kevin Owens and Logan Paul got into it, and Randy like held back Kevin Owens. So, you know, clearly it's still something not done with Kevin Owens and Logan Paul. Their their story is not over. Okay. And now you putting Randy in there, which Randy eliminated Kevin Owens, and he eliminated Logan Paul, and Logan got him eliminated. So. They're connected. They all connected from that match. So I'm interested to see those. I'm I'm interested to see what happens next. Yeah, I am too. I'm excited. Like this is one of the things I'm like. Okay, I like chaos and like it's not predictable because <laughs> coming into this like weekend, nobody was expecting that. Everybody was saying it was gonna be L. A. and Logan. Now I'm interested yeah. to see like you know where AJ and uh, L. A. goes. But I'm excited. Yeah. I love that. This. Was surprising. I will say that was surprising. Very. Um, all right, my uh, one booking decision, I would have just scrapped the Grayson Waller effect segment. Like, okay. I understand why you have it, because you got you want to have Cody and Seth on the show in some capacity, and then, you know, Grayson Waller from Australia, you know. But I just, yeah. we could have did this on, like, Raw or SmackDown. Like, I get you want them on the card, but this was, like... You taking up my time. I w- I'm not gonna lie, I would have been pissed if I stayed up till 5 a.m., and this was here instead of a match. Like, bro, like, I got other stuff I need to be doing. That's funny. But, I mean, that was really it. Like, everything else I could live with. Hey, hey, is it me or Austin Theory that got even ripper? That boy took the jacket off. I was like, this man ripped. I'm not going to comment on that because we're recording. Um, what? <laughs> what? I'm not, um, <laughs> nope. Anyway. Okay, all right. I'll, we'll talk after. I guess we'll talk after. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, that was very a shocking response, but continue. Anyway, it's been... I've had a solid next few hours. I'm not trying to get canceled yet. Um, Next up, biggest WTF moment of the night. I'm going to go first. Uh, Naomi getting eliminated first, because what the hell? Um, <laughs> Obviously, I didn't expect her to win. Okay, whatever. But I wanted to see her and Bianca in the ring together. I wanted them to have their moment. We really haven't seen them have their moment since they both been back. And so I'm going to need the WWE to fix that. W- Trips, you owe me a one-on-one match. Please and thank you. Uh, but, yeah, like like I said, I, I didn't think she was going to win. And I'm okay with how they did it because Tiffany Strad, like, it aided in her performance. Okay, whatever. But my girl Naomi, her first, pay- well, technically her second pay-per-view back, and this is how you treat her? This is how you do her? Mm. What? And then, not only that, then Bobby get eliminated first during Black History Month? <laughs> mm. Hey, they had places to be. You hear me? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> they said, we're not winning in Black History Month. We got places to be. So whatever. Let's go ahead and leave first. Whatever. I don't, I don't you know, I'm going to let that ride or whatever. This is coming from the lady, the young lady that wanted um, Jay Cargill in there. That don't mean Somebody I want her to get eliminated, eliminated first. first. 
she would have got eliminated anyway. So, so they're, they're like, you, you, you making this argument? She just came back. You getting her eliminated? But she got eliminated oh, first. Jay Cargill just came, and then you want her in that match. But she wouldn't have got eliminated first. Naomi still would have got eliminated first if Jay Cargill was in. There. Bump that. I, I'm sorry, Liv. A Liv would have got that. eliminated first, or first, Raquel would have got shout eliminated out, first. Though, shout out to Liv. Liv did well. Don't get me wrong. Liv no, 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 no. I'm not saying you know, I said she didn't do well. I was going somewhere else with this. Shout out to Liv. She came back at the World Rumble. Last year, she was in the final three. This year, she was in the final th- really three. She got eliminated right after she, got, she eliminated Jay Cargill. But if you want to count it, technically, she was final two. And then she was in the final two in this one. For in three seconds. So, yeah, so, like, c- congratulations to Liv Morgan yes. for that. I have no beef with Liv Morgan. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, I know you don't. I know you I don't. Just, I, I just, like, come on. Naomi getting eliminated first. It just didn't sit right with my spirit. But Liv, is, but Liv returned the same night Naomi did. It's they totally different, though. It's totally How different. How is it different? Naomi was gone for years. But she was still wrestling. Liv was injured. Okay, they but Liv. So the what? Liv has been back more recently. Over. Naomi had to create an well, not create, create, but like she had to get over in an entirely different company. Was champion for a long time. She was. And then you have her come back and eliminated first. But then you know mm-hmm. what I said earlier? She had a full standoff with Becky, Lynch and it was great. And again, in the company, that's fine. But I don't so think they, she, that shows her worth. And the only reason she lost is because Tiffany snuck up behind her and did a surprise roll-up. But she still so got eliminated like first, though. But she still got eliminated first. And I I didn't like... So, so I mean, so like, so it didn't... Stock? Did she lose stock? Did she lose stock? Did she got eliminated first? Because the card... Sound, like. Because the card was so good, I'm going to say no, but I don't think it helped her. But she did. Is, she has already achieved a lot in WWE. I don't think she's gonna get hurt from it. Just like Bobby, Bobby has achieved a lot in, in WWE. He got eliminated first. I don't see it hurting him. It's What's still a different situation, though. It's, it's still different. Like I said, like if Naomi had just still been around, like been with the company or whatever, still kind of like fledgling, like on the non-existent mid card. Okay, whatever. But like she left, established herself as one of the most prominent and one of the best women's wrestlers in the world, just to get eliminated first. So basically, what you're saying is Liv should have got eliminated first. Either I would say Liv, and it's nothing against Liv, but again, like you're not really expecting Liv to do much. She obviously performed great. Raquel, I would also would have said Raquel, but like I get you want to have the moment with her and Bianca, power on power. I understand that completely. Tiffany Strad, you don't want to eliminate her first because, you know, you don't want her to look like the weakest link and she just got here and then Becky was going to win. So basically, saying just swap. So, so wait, so when so Naomi would have got out last, you swap her and Leah? No. I just don't think Naomi should have got eliminated first. I don't mind her getting eliminated because she was shown to be on the same level as Becky. And then it was a surprise roll-up. She didn't tap out. That's, yeah, she I got pinned, but it was a surprise roll-up. I she hear you. I just, like I said, like, I don't think, oh, my gosh, Naomi's going to suffer from this. She's going to, like, not do nothing. It's not that. I just, I don't think she should have been eliminated first. No, I, I get your point. And that's another reason maybe she shouldn't have been in there in the first place. I, you could have easily, you could have put somebody else in there. To, but like then said, that the means. Not saying for Jay, but then like, then they shouldn't like have that. put her in the tournament because then if she. No, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. So it, it goes all the way back. You're completely right. She should have never just 
if we didn't want to get to this moment, she shouldn't have been in it in the first place. But, you know, it's all good. I'm going to get my Bianca versus Naomi match. And one more thing, that split that she did on Becky when she came down, I would break, break every bone in my body trying to do that. Oh, yeah, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so props to her for that. Every bone in my body would shatter trying to be cute, trying to do a split coming down a cage. Ain't no way. Love you, girl. The hey, roster is... Maybe it was good she had eliminated first. She could go back there to Jimmy. Jimmy was weighing on her. I don't even know if Jimmy was there. He probably wasn't there. I, I, none of the bloodline was probably there. Yeah, and also because I don't know if it's still the case, but I know that's why the Usos, or at least he was not at Clash at the Castle because they had, like, DUIs and stuff, and you're not really supposed to travel when you have, like, records. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Um, But, yeah, it's all good. I'm going to get my Naomi versus Bianca moment. It's fine. I just got to be a little yeah, bit more patient. For another time. Hey, it might happen at WrestleMania because I don't want her, uh, Bianca versus Jade at WrestleMania. I don't know what Bianca's going to do at WrestleMania, and I'm very excited to see where it goes. Her versus Tiffany starting will be a banger, but who knows? Okay. Last but certainly not least, it's time to dish out some show grades. How would you grade Elimination Chamber? You didn't let me say my surprise. I'm so sorry. I, I'm sorry. Your WTF moment. I'm sorry. I'm so used to letting you go first. I just, I'm so sorry. What was your biggest WTF moment? I'm sorry, Embryo. Nah, it's okay. I don't feel no type of way towards it. Uh, AJ, I didn't expect AJ to come in with a chair Same. and ruin um, LA Knight. Knight. <laughs> I was wondering how he was going to get eliminated, and, you know, they protected him. Uh, yeah, AJ beat the crap out of him with that chair. Uh, did not expect that. Now, kind of like... Up them doors. Yes, okay. I was seeing the same thing, because when they were opening the doors for Bobby, I was like... I feel some buffoonery coming. Because every time they agreed. keep the doors open, something is going to happen. I don't know who I thought it was going to be, but I was like, it's got to be something. Like, it's something because everybody ran into Bobby. Then he was walking out slow. I'm like, this taking too long. Something mm. about to happen. And then it was AJ. And then I kind of know, I didn't expect, I didn't realize Logan Paul was going to probably do something until it took him forever to leave out that ring. It took him forever to get out the cage. And, like, as they was, like, trying to hide it a little bit, I saw, like, his pants. I'm like, he's still in there. And I knew he had the brass knucks. And I was like, I was like, is this how they're going to protect Randy? And I, I, I was right with that. So. Yeah. They did a good job of that. Okay. Now, officially, officially, how would you grade Elimination Chamber? No, I'm going to let you go first because you be tripping. I gave it an A. What? I thought it was a really, really good show from top to bottom. Um, like I mentioned, like I know I went on a rant about Naomi, but I don't think anybody is like made worse because of their performance. All the matches were really, really good, if not great. Um, everybody looked strong. I feel like this was a night where a lot of stars were made, and like in the case of Rhea Ripley, like really humanized her, which I think was kind of like the point. I thought it overall, it was a great, it was a great show. Like it's definitely top. Chef's kiss. Like, if I if I would have known how good the card was, I probably would have woke up or stayed up till five a.m. and see it live. It was so good. Okay. Well, I guess it's the first time for everything. I'm also giving that A. Oh my god, twins. But I'm because I'm also generous. But is this really considered generous? Because you gave it an A. Maybe I should give it an A plus. I mean, no. A. Like, what, what? Do you think it's generous to give it an A? No, no, I'm just saying. Uh, I'm like, I was sometimes, you know, I'm like, you, you be tripping, but if you gave it an A, I don't you know, be tripping. I just, it might, it might, it might actually be an A plus. I just have high standards. But, I'm sorry. 
Uh, Ro- Royal Rumble did I'm, not. I'm giving it an A. We on the same page. I'm giving it an A. I'm just saying, you said I, I tripped it with a... my grades. I'm sorry, Royal Rumble did not achieve my standards, and you still ain't said nothing to Ethan about giving it like a C. So I don't want to hear. When, it. when, when do I? When do I run past Ethan? When do I really run past Ethan? Y'all in the same city? You could figure it out. You just want me to find this man? He don't know how I look in person. He got social media. He'll figure it out. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, I give it an A for all the reasons you gave. Um, I didn't think anybody lost stock on a night where somebody could have easily lost stock, but they didn't. Um, the tag team match was great. The real match was great. Um, like you said, her moment, you know, with her fans, even the pre, uh, the pre-show, not the pre-show, the, uh, kickoff, you know, it wasn't a banger or nothing with the women's tag team match, but... They gave Indy her moment. It was just a decent match. You know, every match don't need to be a banger. It was just a decent match. You got the job done. Um, yeah, like I'm with you. You probably could have took off the Waller, the Waller effect, but I get what I did it. You know, to give him his moment out there with them, uh, with his, uh, with his, um, with the um, his fans and all that. So, you know, I give it an A as well. Oh my gosh, look at us in agreement. That may never happen again. May um, never happen. I think what the next show is WrestleMania, right? Sometimes they always do fast lane, don't they? Fast lane, well, at least last year, fast lane was in September because that's what that's the show I went to. September, October. Okay, well, yeah, the next one might be Mania. Yeah. Wow, time is flying, Embryo. Because I think so what, the next show I was think to April. I think on Saturday they were saying it's six weeks till WrestleMania, forty-two yeah, days, like, which is insane. And so that was two days ago. So we're like in April. Yep, April seventh and eighth. Okay. Yep. So yeah, the next uh, pay per view is WrestleMania. They gives them a lot of time to do building. I know. Keep building, building all the way up. Because if you had one more pay per view, like they used to do, I know they used to do that sometimes. It'd be like I remember it used to be like Elimination Chamber. Now we on our way to Fast Lane to WrestleMania. I'm yeah. like, I really didn't need this other. Uh, yeah, I did not need this because it like it'd be Fast Lane in like two more weeks. It'd be like Mania. I'm like, you didn't need Fast Lane. Agreed. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's going to give a lot of time to build up this Cody Rock stuff, uh, seeing what's going on with that. Make it hope, hope and self don't betray, betray, uh, Cody. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of unknowns. I don't know what my boy Bobby doing. He got to do something for Mania. Sadly, rest in peace, Bray Wyatt. He, you know, Bray got sick around that time, so he didn't get a chance to have a Mania match last year. Or L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight wasn't even on the car last year. And it was in the Hollywood. <laughs> it was in L.A. Yeah, that was, ooh, y'all wrestling fans was mad about that. So, you know, uh, want to see them on the car this year and everything. So Yeah. Next time Embryo will be with us, we're going to be making WrestleMania predictions, and I cannot wait. Again, thank y'all so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out the export.net, our Pete export.net for school sports content written by your truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Just a heads up, this last portion, this whole uh, Elimination Chamber recap was done before Monday Night Raw came on. So obviously everything the week said could be thrown out the window. But just a heads up, we're not idiots. We just do not know what happens after. Agreed. Okay. Anything else you want to say, Embryo? Yeah, when we're doing that podcast, we're going to be drinking some Jose Cuevo. Hey. I know that's your favorite. I know that's your favorite. 
You, you know, I'm a hoe for some hey, Jose. I tell y'all, man, Raven get reckless when she drinking that Jose Cuervo. She just say whatever's on her mind. First off, don't put my business out there like that ever again. <laughs> and secondly, he's a liar. Um, I am very much not like that. Also, I rarely ever drink, so <laughs> let's get that. Yeah, out. so you see how that's going. All right, thank you so much for yeah, listening. You don't, no, no, no. Uh, got just, one more question, Raven. Did you forget about it? I don't know. It's just all the disrespect clouded my mind. What is the question, Raven? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I asked this before, but I'm going to ask. Uh, which male and female superstar you think is close to retirement, and who would you book in their final match to go against them? That's a great question. And no, you haven't asked that before. Um, be throwing great questions out. It's like it's like I went to college or something. It's crazy. I know. Oh my gosh. Um, close to <laughs> retirement. Ooh, this is tough. I'm gonna try not to go with like obvious answers. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to say define close. Like they gonna retire this year or? Mm, we gonna give you a time frame because that's kind of tough. And wrestlers been wrestling a long time now. Um, we're going to say in about five years. Okay. Roman Reigns. Oh, Roman. You think in five years? If that. And I think his final match will be against, I think, I think he's going to face solo beforehand, but I think his final match is going to be solo as a way to like really, bestow a new tribal chief a new head of the table okay and, okay and then for women's wrestlers i'm gonna say bailey oh you give us some good answers i like these and her final match being against sasha banks you know, I can't wait for something. I, I ain't gonna tell y'all what I'm. I can't. You know what? I'm not gonna tell y'all about Sasha. You're not gonna. But, all uh, right. You gonna spare the people? Spare the people. But yeah, I think that's. I think that's pretty dope. Um, makes sense. Honestly, uh, if you are correct about Roman, if I had to just just me throwing my input, I like your answers. By the way, uh, I would like his final match to probably be against Seth Rollins. That'd be See, all cute. Finally, beat Seth. You know, in his last match, like, can I finally beat you? Because he's never beat Seth. So, uh, that would be entertaining. But um, I, I like yours with Solo. So, you think in five years he'll still be doing a Tribal Chief gimmick? I think we kind of talked about this. I don't know if it was, like, on the air or not. But I think it's going to be one of those things where, like, after he loses the title, he's rarely going to be around. And I think that, you know, he's still going to, like, have that confidence about, like, I'm still the Tribal Chief. Like, I still run this. I'm still the head of the table. But it, it obviously won't be as prevalent because he's not going to be around as much. I think it's going to be kind of like a Brock Lesnar thing. Like, okay, you think you yeah. bad. How bad you are you as bad enough to beat the Tribal Chief? So I think he'll I still be you. doing it. It'll just be different. And just throw a little season on top. I think in five years, maybe AJ. A- AJ not lasting that long. He's already yeah, said he's, he's close five to. five years. Yeah, he already said he's he's close to being done. But that's cool. It's not about questioning Chris. It was about questioning Raven anyway. So I like those answers. That was surprising answers, but I could definitely see them coming true. Mm. So wow, I got a compliment from Embryo. I did something right. Hey, hey, look, you know, you, you don't always do it always, you know. So I knew you just weren't gonna let that ride. 
All right, now for you real. Me. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for listening. Don't believe anything Chris said in like the last five minutes. He was. Uh, I said you gave great answers in those. No, past no, five before so before true. that, he was saying some things that weren't <laughs> that were not uh not exactly uh reflective of my character. And my lawyer will be chiming in shortly. And, well, um, I don't know what they expecting to get, but you can go ahead and send them. They have to wait in line like everybody else. I know that's right. But again, <laughs> thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you all next time.